When it comes to leadership, there is no need to reinvent the wheel. Character is what eventually makes or breaks leaders. Yet, it's the most ignored and overlooked aspect of leadership development today. We have the perfect leadership role model, and that's Jesus. We simply need to follow his lead, allowing him to work in and through us. Welcome to Lead Like Jesus podcast. Leadership starts on the inside. That is Rich Cummins. I am Freddie Scott, and this is the Lead Like Jesus podcast, where leadership starts on the inside. This is your podcast, Kingdom Leaders, and we're so glad that you're joining us again today. Today, we have the privilege of being able to talk about living, loving, and leading your family like Jesus. So not only in the workplace, not only in the community, but the, but the first ministry you have, which is that family element. You know, Rich, this is such a vitally important topic. I know we do a lot of talk about uh, ministry in the marketplace, but our first ministry is at home. And when I think about Genesis and when God made man and made the world and, and had this grand idea to have this creation called man, mankind, it always amazes me that the first role that he established was, and he could have done anything. He could have made a church. He could have made uh, a, a king. He could have made, you know, any other institution that we tend to spend our time with. But the first institution that he established was the role of husband and father and wife and mother. And so as we dive into this conversation today about how do we integrate our faith within our homes, Rich, I, I really would love to hear from you. And, and I know some of this might be personal, uh, but I think it can be relevant and applicable because all of us um, are experiencing different things within our walk of life. I would love to find out from you, what do you think has been the biggest struggle to truly integrate your faith in your own personal marriage and with your family? Ah, oh, Freddie, I, you know, on, on one of our more, more recent episodes, I told you I've got to go back to give you context. I promise I won't go so back into the Stone Ages, but I, I got to go back a little bit here because there was a period of time in my life when integrating my faith wasn't the top priority. And I saw the, the consequences that came from that. And there was a period of time when I was in the marketplace, I was running my own business. And I would tell you, Freddie, that business was running me. I mean, I was trying to chase success. And then at some point, God got a hold of me and really convicted me that I had my priorities upside down. And so after going through a process of completely surrendering my life to Jesus, going from being a fan to a follower, as uh, Kyle Eidelman would say, I started looking inside. And I got to tell you, the, the catalyst, for, catalyst for me to change was my own children. At that point, I had two baby girls, and while I was present as a dad physically, I was not emotionally or mentally present a lot of the time. And so I would come home, and I would bring the stressors of life home, and we do tend to do that. It happens in the world. We're in a fast-paced world, but I would bring that home, and they, they didn't care about that stuff. They just wanted dad there, and so I recognized that they needed a better dad. 
And so God took me through a process of convicting me and just surrendering everything over and giving up the pursuit of success. He exchanged it for significance and significance in the purpose that he had given me. And so as I began to grow more and more in that, I realized uh, that I had such an awesome responsibility to be the spiritual leader of my family. And so then, man, we took off from there, brother, because I would, I would drive my kids to school and I had a 40 minute drive to get them to school. And for years, I, they were my first congregation. The poor girls heard more sermons in about five years than you could imagine. But you know what? As fathers and as husbands, our first ministry is right there at home to our spouses and then to those little ones, because we say it lead like Jesus. You know, you have to first be able to lead yourself before you can lead another. And then you got to lead another before you can lead others. And when we look at who our closest neighbor is, Freddie, we know what God said. We know the greatest commandment and we know the next one, which is like it, to love your neighbor as yourself. Well, who's your closest neighbor? Wow. It's your wife or your husband, if, if, if you're a female and your kids. And so, yes, there is an awesome responsibility, but an even greater joy in lovingly leading them to the king. You know, when you, when you said that, I, I'm reminded of a few areas of development, I'll say, uh, that God has had me go through in my journey. Uh, for those of you that, in, that know a little bit about my background, I played in the NFL. And then after that, I went to full-time ministry. And I remember making this huge mistake because I went into ministry uh, very early in our marriage and I confused the work of God, you know, and going to church and serving, being an assistant pastor. And, you know, I'm, I'm doing God's work and forgetting the priorities of God. And I would come home, I would literally give the ministry, the church, the people, I would give them all of me, mm. you know, I, I would, you know, cause again, I'm doing kingdom work and I would come home and I would be drained. I wouldn't be present. Um, you know, I wouldn't listen. I wasn't attuning, no empathy. It was just literally, I'm coming home to recharge, to go back out. And it wasn't until my wife was able to share with me her frustration and serious frustration with you give them everything and you give me nothing mm, yeah and initially i was like wait a minute you're trying to keep me from doing the work of god i had this whole misunderstanding of what she was needing from me she needed a husband not a not not a, a roommate she needed a covering she needed someone that she could come to when she needs something and God really arrested my heart mm. when he realized, when I realized that my first priority, even when I at that time was serving in full-time ministry, still my first priority was to love his daughter yeah, and, and to be the husband and ultimately the father that he's called me to be. But I'd gotten those things out of whack because I confuse, yes, you can do the work of the kingdom, but the most important thing, the most important role that I learned to value and appreciate was the role of being a husband and a father. 
Freddie, let's unpack that a little bit, because I think you unlocked something that a lot of us have struggled with. And whether you're working in full-time ministry, listen, we still all have a Matthew 28 mandate to go make disciples. So even the laity, we are out there spreading the gospel. And so when does, when does this, what happens when you sacrifice your family on the altar of ministry? I don't think God wants that, does he? No, he doesn't. And you know, it's interesting when you understand God's plan for discipleship and evangelism, he never really desires for you to have to go outside your own home. Think about in the Old Testament, when God would introduce himself to Abraham's seed, you know, he would go to Isaac and said, hey, I'm the God of your father, Abraham. And because the relationship that Abraham had with his son, Isaac, Isaac was able to say, oh, that's cool. I heard my dad talk about you. Oh, I remember those stories. Oh, wow. I love to see what you did in his life. Oh, you're going to do that in mine too? Awesome. Yeah. As opposed to a strained relationship. And when God tries to introduce himself, it's like, why would I want to have anything to do with you when you're the reason why my dad wasn't with me? Mm. And there's so many um, PKs, preacher's kids mm. that are struggling with church hurt because they feel like they've lost their pastors, uh, their, their fathers or mothers because they gave everything to church that now they're in the season of life of being so wounded that they yeah. don't have their own personal walk with God, which is then impacting people outside the church that are supposed to be coming to the church. But when they look at the fruit of the church which is really our marriages and our children, mm -hmm. that should be our greatest calling card. People should be able to look at our wives or our husbands and our children, our sons and our daughters, and they should see so much love and mm. peace and affirmation and self-esteem and, and purpose and vision that it makes people see the credibility and authenticity of God's love and plan for each and every one of us. So, Freddie, it was even an edict with the early church that you needed to take care of your family in order to be a leader in the church. That was uh, Timothy wrestled with that and, and really laid that down. Talk a little bit about that. You know, many times people forget the process of leadership development is something that really does start at home. It, when I learned to govern, because remember what a perfect man in the Bible, and James says a perfect man is someone that can guard and govern your tongue, right? Mm, yeah. When I have learned to be skillful with what I say, how I mm. say it, and with whom I say it, especially with people that I have a deep emotional connection with, when I'm intentional in making sure what I say to my wife, I'm saying things as edifying, as building her up, all those things, it makes it easier to be able to, I, if I can treat my wife in, the, in that way, it's easy to treat someone else that way. Um, because usually we make it easy for ourselves to, or we give ourselves permission to say almost anything off the cuff to people that are closest to us. And I almost call it the earthquake effect. You know, when you think about when an earthquake goes off, the people or the damage that happens the most is at the epicenter, the, the people that's closest to that mark. Mm -hmm. And so what happens within our lives, the people that are closest to us 
our wives and our children, when we erupt, they're the ones that tend to be impacted the most. And so learning how to, like in, in 1 Timothy, where it talks about learning how to govern and rule our own homes well. Yeah. That even when I may be hurt or frustrated, I'm not going to take that frustration out on my wife or on my children, but I can actually allow them to pour back into me what I need. So when I go back into the world, I can be able to be that leader God's called me to be. Because typically when you go outside your home, you're very mindful of what you say. You're mindful of the perception that you're giving off. But when we come home, we tend to let, let those governors go. And learning to realize, wait a minute, I can't just say what I feel all the time. I need to make sure that I am setting an environment and a culture in my home that my wife and my children are, can see the love of God and can see, even when I'm wounded, sometimes we need them to pour into us. Uh, yeah. We need to be able to show that type of vulnerability when we need that from them. So, so check this out, Freddie. Now you're talking about your behavior and how you model being Christ to your family. But let's talk about those little ones because there's a mis misconception that happens to, I think, every parent after they've, they've birthed this beautiful little baby, this little baby girl or baby boy. And it doesn't take long for you to realize that they were born into a sinful world. You start to see it. You start to see the minds and, you know, the, you know, the attitude flare up. And so what do you do, Freddie? And I can share what I do, but what do you do? Give some practical tips and takeaways for these parents out there that want to help their kids live, love, and lead like Jesus. Certainly you can do it by modeling, but what do you do when you're seeing things come back that's less than desirable? And it happens. It's part of life because we're in a sinful world. Well, you know, the Bible is very clear. Train up a child in the way they go. When they're old, they won't depart from it. And when, when I hear that word train, I think about my experience as an athlete. I had trainers, I had coaches that would, one, communicate a standard. And so when we're talking about parenting, it's always age appropriate. So if, if it's those toddler years and they're just, they're getting to that point of saying no and maybe sort of talking back and not wanting to put things away and all that, is being able to clearly communicate and set a standard because what ha this is the problem. I've seen this happen a lot. You go to work, you, you give what you have at work, you come home, you're tired, you're burned out. And basically what we tend to do, and I'll just speak for myself. So I, I won't speak for you, but I'll speak for myself. I'll be so tired. I really don't feel like hearing the crying or hearing the whining or anything like that. And so just go to your room or watch the video and, and I'll let the iPad or the iPhone or the TV be the babysitter. Yeah. And as long as you give me my space to do what I want to do, I might hold you, play with you a little bit, but just give me my own time. Well, that's fine up until they developed a habit that in their perspective, you've allowed me to do this this entire time. And now all of a sudden, when I'm short, when I don't have as much patience on that day. So what ends up happening is when I get frustrated and I don't have much grace because I'm just tired or stressed. And now I snap off on that child. Regardless, yeah. it doesn't matter, toddler, teenage, behavior that I've let them do all this time when I wasn't stressed now turns into something that is a stress for me, becomes something that it's not fair to the child. Yeah. Because what, what they say is, wait a minute, you've let me play this game or do this or have this behavior all this time. You've never communicated what the standard was before this. 
Yeah. Now all of a sudden it's, it's an issue. And so being clear and what is the standard? What are we expecting? Um, being fair, you know, God is always fair with us. You know, God, thankfully, God doesn't have the lightning bolt looking to strike it. I used to think that God was, that God the Father was like Zeus. He's going to get you. He's going to get you. Oh, my goodness. You know, Jesus, he loved, Jesus loved me, but God, hey, <laughs> not quite sure. And so we have to remember that we're supposed to reflect God. Mm. And everything Jesus did, he did to reflect the love of the Father. That So it always should be restorative in nature. Nature. No matter what my child does, mm -hmm. even if it's something that breaks your heart, yeah. I never want my child to feel like that that action or that sin is more important than the restoration of relationship mm. that I want to have with them. God deals with sin just like he did in the garden, but he also does it with the purpose and the intentionality of always maintaining or reestablishing relationship yeah. with his children. Yeah. He runs right to the gate, puts the robe over your shoulders, gives you the ring and loves you back. And you know what you're talking about that. So that's, that's showing that grace that's showing that love. And I love how you're talking about how we must train up our kids. And, you know, we have so much to give to everybody else, but our kids and our wives and our husbands, if you're, you're a female, um, need the best that we have, not the rest that we have. And I was just thinking about some of our nuggets at lead like Jesus. Uh, one of the big ones, you know, obviously when, when you edge God out, we call that ego, that's putting something else in God's rightful place as, as the object of worship. And I'm just going to show you something that might convict you, Freddie, and might convict me. And it's, it's getting our kids, you know, and anytime we put an idol out there, and take their eyes and focus off of the Lord, bad things happen. And so in my family, we've been trying to figure out how to have uh, te uh, tech sabbaticals or, you know, uh, cell phone, you know, timeouts and those kind of things. And so we've been intentionally putting that stuff away, at least before bed. And then we have a wind down period of about 30 minutes with our, our younger daughters. And, and I'll go in their rooms and, and I just love it because one of my daughters, I, I put this uh, little poster on her wall because she was really struggling one day. And I, and I just put it, started putting scripture on there. What does God say about you? And, and you know what? She makes me read that over her every night. You are loved. You are fearfully and wonderfully made. You are chosen. You are more than a conqueror. I just have all these little things. And now that we've created this rhythm, we've created this tradition she wants dad to speak that over to her. And man, we're starting to see some good things from that. You know, and I want to share a couple quick nuggets uh, that I think will also be helpful. You shared yours. I'll share mine. One, I will share something that I actually give NFL players and families that we have an 80, we had an 80% divorce rate for NFL within the NFL community. And obviously we have to continue to work to minister to those families. And one of the things that I give is a simple analogy, which is called a two minute warning check-in when you come home. Because we all work, have life, we're stressed, we're pulled. And, you know, just think about you, it's all you want to do is pull into your driveway, pull into the garage, park, turn the car off, you might be thinking about the, the meal that's in the refrigerator waiting for you or so, something, the TV uh, show or game that's getting ready to come on that you just can't wait to sit 
on your spot, either in your man cave or in your living room and just that feeling of I can take all this off and just relax. Mm. Well, I'm asking you to do something before you do that. Do a two minute check in with everyone in your home before you shut down. Because once you shut down, it's hard to get geared back up. So in that two minute warning, you're looking for three specific things from your family. You're looking for body language, you're listening for tone, and then you're listening for words. So I'm going to go in and I'm doing a scan. When I walk in the house, I'm going to get eyes on everyone in the home and I'm looking for what's my wife's body language or what's my husband's body language? What, what are my kids' body language? And trying to see, did something happen today that I might need to be present for? Yeah, yeah. Then I'm going to ask them, hey, how was your day? And I'm listening for how they answer the question. Not what they say, fine, it was okay. You know, sometimes <laughs> they give you those one word. But I'm listening for how are, they, how are they responding? Do I need to lean in based on what they say? Once I've checked in and it seems like everybody's good, okay, now I can shut down. Yeah. But what you're doing when you do that consistently is you're letting your family know that if you need me, I'm here for you. Yeah, and yeah. this game or the show uh, is not more important than me being present with you, which has been one of those overarching themes that we've been talking about today. And then one other thing that I, has been a game changer for me. Um, and that has been very helpful. And a lot of the people that I've talked to in, in marriages that we've talked to is actually, what do I listen for? If, now, mm-hmm. maybe I was just on the short bus when it comes to communication skills with women. Um, for me, Fred, you didn't just say what I think you said, Freddie. <laughs> you need to repent, brother. You need to repent for that. Go on. Make your point. My point is. I really did not know how to communicate with my wife or what I needed to be listening for when I communicated with my wife, yeah. especially and, and with my children. So this is something that I learned and that has really been revolutionary in my relationship with my wife has been to listen for her feelings, her values, and then the facts of what she's saying. Mm. So when she's talking and I'm listening for what does it sound like she's feeling? What feelings are is she expressing to me? And then rather than just responding based on the facts of the story, I'll say something like, man, that sounds like that was really frustrating. Yeah. Or man, that had to have been really exciting for you. Whatever that is, it's amazing what happens when you attune and show empathy for somebody and they know that you've heard them by acknowledging the feeling that they're expressing to you yeah once i've started doing that our relationship has gone to a really 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 good place um because i'm trying to practice being present with her and that that one piece of trying to be present has been something that's been very helpful. All right, Freddie, I'm going to give one bonus. And that was a good one. I'm going to give one bonus. And then I know we've got a wrap for today. But uh, so along those lines, and I love that showing empathy, listening, being present, happy wife is a happy life. And you know, just just giving her the best that you have is so important. And, and you know, a tradition that we do in our home, and we've done it for years, one, we break bread together. So we don't get to eat every meal together. 
but we do eat almost every dinner together. And, you know, there's tons of, uh, of statistics out there on the significance of parents, families having dinner together. But I will tell you this, we do a high and a low every night, or, you know, you could call it best or worst of. And the important part there is you get them talking, just like you said, you want to know what's going on. You want to be available. What we're trying to show our kids is that how they can, they can celebrate wins in their day and how they can integrate negative realities. So we don't just talk about all the great things. We want to talk about a things as a family that are important and some of the hurts so you can help them process it in a healthy way. So, you know, my kids, if they're, if let's say, let's say they're off the hook when I get home and they're not doing what they're supposed to be doing, all this kind of crazy stuff. Sure enough though, once we get to the dinner table and once one person shares, the other one wants to share. And so just a tradition that has really paid off in our family. And I don't know if you've done it, but I, I would suggest anybody with young kids, you know, that's one little thing you can do. Have them celebrate God for the good things and then have them talk to you about the rough things that you can help them process. You know, that is so important because again, we live in a fallen world. Yeah. And the reality is, yes, God causes amazing things to happen throughout the day, but the reality is there's also gonna be some stuff that we didn't plan that we need help navigating and knowing that you can have uh, your parents, uh, you there to help your child navigate that truly will be a game changer. Rich, would you mind praying for our kingdom leaders as they are making this conscious effort to be intentional and in integrating their faith in their homes? Absolutely, Freddie. Heavenly Father, you designed us to be in relationship with each other. And the second greatest commandment is for us to love our neighbor as ourselves. And we know that our family is our closest set of neighbors. And I just thank you, Lord God, for that awesome responsibility to be the spiritual leaders in our families first. And I pray that you'd give each of us a touch of grace, help us to live, love, and lead like Jesus from the family first, and then out into our greater communities, our workplaces, and our ministries. We thank you, Lord God, for who you are. We thank you for the atoning grace that you sent your son to give to us by dying on that old rugged cross. We thank you, Lord Jesus. In your mighty name we pray. Amen. Amen. Again, it's so, uh, so much of an honor to be able to spend this time with you. If you love this information, if you have further questions or topics that you want us to address, please share that uh, and share those comments with us. Make sure you subscribe so you're notified of every new episode that is posted. And we can't wait to see you next time. Don't forget, leadership starts on the inside. We'll see you next time.